Gareth Johnson is a fellow Ulsanite who originally hails from Johannesburg, South Africa. Since arriving, he has been an outstanding member of the local community by dedicating lots of his free time to supporting local volunteering initiatives. Gareth also shills for the University of the People, an illegitimate, unaccredited online university with questionable instructional practices and shady ties to the International Baccalaureate Program. Uh, This episode's full of great stories, insights, and the cliffhanger topic at the end has ensured that we most definitely need to do an episode two very soon. Thanks for coming by, Gareth. Tired of studying at home, using the same old books, practicing the same old basic English patterns? It's time to step up your game and get the practice you need to become a fluent English speaker. Dr. English is an all-in-one English learning platform. The qualified native speakers can help you start or continue your journey to English fluency. Enjoy learning from the comfort of your own home. Call 010-4591-1496 for a free sample class. Or take your English to the next level by visiting their website right now. www.dr-english.com Open your doors to endless opportunities. Dr. English. You are now tuned into This Korean Life with your hosts, Brian and Nate. Welcome back to another episode of This Korean Life, number 48, featuring Mr. Gareth Johnson, straight out of Joburg. Eh? <laughs> Straight out of Joburg. I feel like this needs to turn. Compton, <laughs> it, it needs almost. It needs uh, well, equally dangerous. From what uh, from what you've Maybe told me, a little me. more dangerous. I don't know. I don't know if this is a, a false memory or not. But did you or possibly Kay tell me that when you're driving in Johannesburg, like kind of coming to a full stop at a stop sign is not really your your safest bet? No, it is definitely not your safest bet. <laughs> <laughs> you have to have like eyes in the back of your head and you're looking around and especially in Johannesburg but whenever you are is, is that that's certain areas of the that, that's like a downtown area or that's not like uh, there's suburbs and whatnot no, that, that could be anywhere that no. could be anywhere in fact often the, why would anyone live there because it's everywhere so you can't avoid it it's it's in but Joburg's pretty famous isn't it or infamous I mean it's famous it's the largest but I mean, more so that you don't hear Cape Town or, or these other places with that much danger, per se. South you, Africa is a dangerous country in all of the big metropolitan areas. It's also one of the biggest tourist destinations in Africa. True. If it was so dangerous, it probably wouldn't have that title, no? Strong. The beauty and the amazingness of the country often, I think, overrule the fact that it is incredibly dangerous there. As a person who lived there... Think that South Africans actually, I have a theory that South Africans live with permanent PTSD that they don't actually realize or acknowledge. You're always a little jumpy. You are always looking over your shoulder. Um, Johannesburg is seen as more dangerous, but I mean, statistically, Cape Town has just as many murders and robberies. And so it's not really, I think Cape Town is kind of very beautiful and more relaxed generally so it kind of gets gets a pass in that regard but johannesburg yeah johannesburg is like a big city the big city vibe with all that hustle and bustle and on top of that like the the crime and just the the nature of the crime as well it's 
Yeah, it's a, it's a nerve-wracking place. So <clears throat> there's no uh, 2, 2 a.m., 3 a.m. strolls home by yourself like you can in Korea? You guys must feel super safe in Korea. It must be a, a very nice, uh, I, very welcome change. Every time that I'm doing something like that, mm. I think that. Really? Every time. I Usually at night, I take a, a walk mm. in my area just to, you know. Didn't, didn't get stabbed. <laughs> it's unthinkable. It would be unthinkable to do what I that in South Africa, in most areas. You would you would not you would not do that lightly. You know what I mean? Oh, that's so. Yeah, it, yeah. you would not do that lightly. I mean, people do obviously go. You know, they ride their bikes yeah. and they do go for jogs. But you know, you would definitely think strategically about it. I don't know how to put it, like. Yeah, where do it's I like leave, wearing a mask. Where do I leave sleeves. my phone? Do I? Do I carry money? Do I not carry money? Like that kind of thing would definitely cross your mind and you would have to be careful about it because if you just went out, then somebody would probably, if you at least stand a chance of somebody jumping you. I wonder what are they after? Anything and everything? Money, mostly. I mean, I think... So you don't have any? Are you good? They say, give me I mean, shit, check me, dude, I got nothing. Yeah, you probably... They'll probably... Phone, chains, probably, rings... Yeah, they'll take what they can take and they'll let you go. But again, South Africa is there's a there's a deeper level to it. That and I think that's the problem. Isn't just that people are after money, which is obviously caused by the you know, the have and have nots in the country. You know, South Africa's got a massive disparity between right. poverty and, and yeah. you know, wealth. So people are obviously trying to they, they're trying to equalize that on their own terms. Mm. But the other problem is that not just that they'll take your money, it's that they will, like, if you don't have anything, there's a very good chance they'll just shoot you in the face because you that's, don't have that, anything. That's what I mean. Is there a physical danger? Like, when I was in Absolutely. West, when I was all over West Africa, you might have saw some knives or guns, but if you didn't have anything or you just gave them what they wanted, you're on your way, they're not going to hurt you. Yeah. And they're more scared to hurt you because there'll be more repercussions against them. But I don't know if it's more lawless where you guys are, or that's what I meant though. Like, if you don't have anything, do they just let you go, or do they just shoot you and say? That's what Connette was was speaking to. She said it's not that they'll just come and and rob your house. It's that they're going to shoot you. They'll, right. they'll they'll shoot you after if they're if they're not exactly happy with what they've, yeah. what they've they, done. That's what I was saying. Like, there's the there's the, mm. the additional level. There's definitely um a, a lot of hate running through South Africa, and I I wouldn't even say that it's it's aimed at any specific race. Mm. It's just people tend to take out their anger, not just their like economic frustration, mm. but they will take out their anger on their victims. So you hear about a lot of crimes that are just, they're hateful. One plus one. Yeah. So they just like add insult to injury. And that is always an extra concern. And who are the they? Well, you just if said you... It's, it's not, not even one. Well, you were saying I mean... the victims, but who are, who are the perpetrators? Is is there a? It's very hard to put your finger on that exactly who that is. I mean, it's people from all different communities. Is Why? it organized or what? Sometimes, sometimes it's organized. I mean, I'm sure you've probably seen that video on YouTube of those guys like chasing down that. Have, we, have I talked to you about that? Truck. That was unbelievable. Chasing down a what? Armored truck. I don't know if you see that, but you should. If you oh my god, dude! Watch listen, that. this is the yeah, superhero. I think, I, I think I did see that. It's crazy, crazy. Were they shooting them in the and window? That, that yeah, was, yeah, yeah. That was on. That was in Johannesburg, I think, and like just a normal street, and the gunfire just on the streets. I mean, it was it was GTA level stuff. If that guy insane. doesn't get a some sort of award or movie deal, he 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 fit the role perfectly. 
That was who amazing. would want to be the armored truck driver? <laughs> well, it was, it, hold on. When you say armored truck, it's not a Brinks. It's not a Brinks uh, truck like we have from back home. That was like a, a Brinks truck. like a big armored truck. That, I think that's what it kind of was. Yeah, it looked like a. But it was probably smaller and lighter, so that it could move faster for exactly that kind of reason. <laughs> I'm guessing. But I mean, you could see when it was the bullets were splatting on the windows. It were not like. Otherwise. But it looked like a. It looked like a proper tank truck. Oh, I thought it looked. I I thought I remember it looking like a, like a pickup truck with with a little extra little extra beef on it there, but it was. Uh, I mean, it might have been. That was crazy. wild. That was crazy. No, it was broad daylight. Like, buddy just goes up and he's just shifting gears, looking. He's like, "Shit, someone's coming!" Doo, 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 doo. And I mean, he just like, and he with the huge like you know fully automatic rifle in the car. I his mean, his that's, there, yeah. that is. I think that actually that video very much encapsulates. South Africa. Gotta to buy, be yeah, honest, gotta buy that you. NFT. Like, when I saw it, I saw the video. <laughs> I saw the video before I saw the any comments or whatever, yeah. and I just watched the video and I just thought that's South Africa. I knew it. I knew it was South Africa. I didn't listen to it or any. I didn't hear any oh. other any commentary or anything. And I was like, that is South Africa. There's only one place that that kind of stuff will go down. Maybe there in Brazil. How? Oh, I, it, it's so hard for me to put myself in that position growing up again in, in small. And in Niagara Falls, Canada, coming here, it seems like uh, like a fairy tale. Like nothing bad ever ever happens here. Drunk girl or guy going home. Yeah. Any time of the night, they're they're usually safe. <clears throat> How does I've it affect? Never, I've never felt unsafe in Korea. Yeah. Not for two minutes. How does it affect your never. life at home? Like, is that something you're like? Is it just always in the back of your mind? Here, I I feel I'm in a place where I can you know focus on on several different things. We have the podcast or studying or work and that's kind of what my life is or family or whatnot but there how much of that of your thinking is is mm. is taken up by by like stay safe i don't think people dedicate a lot of their thinking to it because you can't you know when you're in the situation yeah. you can't you actually just find ways to to get around it okay, okay. and kind of cope yeah which is where the ptsd comes in i think okay, okay. because people push it to the back of their minds and that stress Kind of builds up and builds up over time. Um, just wake up screaming. <laughs> I mean, I think people yeah, have like crazy anxiety. I think it's it, oh it shit yeah. perpetuates in like either like alcoholism and yeah. you know, obesity. People, are, you know what I mean. So people are definitely their mental health is affected. Mm. Obviously, in certain situations, it'll be something that you consider. A, a good is example. That, oh, Karen. Is is that why there's so many more South Africans here now? Like it never used to be almost any here, and the last five, six, seven years, God, it's. It, I, mean, I mean, they're the majority probably now. It's I think especially in Ulsan, and I think one of the reasons is because in the bigger cities like Seoul and Busan, they tend to favor Americans, Canadians. Right. So the South Africans get shifted to the like the smallest yeah, cities, okay. you know. So we the South Africans end up all over the, the country, so to speak. But yeah, definitely, and you'll see. One of the things I think is interesting is you won't see South Africans of just one type mm. in Korea. Mm. They're all different kinds of people, and they're all kind trying to like, in some way or other, improve their situation and maybe kind of escape their situation a mm. little bit as well. So yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think it's the trend, the downhill trend, is what has forced people to leave the country. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's, there's not been a over the years since things have changed mm. since you know like change in since apartheid basically mm. there hasn't been a great improvement it's kind of just been a steady slip yeah slide um i've had the 
the opportunity to meet, like you said, various South African people who seem like they're all from a, almost like a different country, you know? Mm. Um, do you do you find that you connect with people because they're from South Africa? Like, if we meet a a Canadian, you can kind of, for for the most part, you can you can talk hockey. You, you can relate to some music or so or or something from the country. But there, is there, it like that? Well, well, there's a lot of Canadians here that I cannot relate to. What do you mean? In lots of ways, okay. because because they're not hockey or they're not. I use those. I use those as examples. But I mean, there's if you're around the same age, I think there's you can throw a Simpsons reference or or whatever, a TV show you watch when you're young, there's something that you can connect with. But I wonder if it's like that with South Africa. Growing up, <clears throat> you know, where it was it was divided for so long. And apartheid was, what, 92? But do, do you feel a connection to, I mean, just your personal feeling. If you meet someone from Canada, you're like, hey, we're from the same, you feel like you're from the same place, no? I don't know. No, okay, well, I do, anyways. But I mean, I, I, mean I, I, I don't feel, well, I don't feel so from Canada anymore. I've lived most of my, more majority of my life abroad. Yeah, I'm more Korean. And... <laughs> I don't know about Korean, but yeah, I, I, just, I just don't feel so Canadian. If you've only been here for two years, I think we're on totally different levels here mm. of understanding of Korean that I probably feel a lot more Korean than you think you are Korean. My life is kind of Korean. Mm. Um, but no, man, I that's why I think we get the same five buddies for t- for 10 years. Like, we're all I, I don't. <laughs> yeah, but, that, but that's what I mean. Like, I don't just connect with anybody who's because they're Canadian and. No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying, do you feel some affinity towards it because you're from the same country, or is There's it just like a mutual recognition? Yeah. Right? yeah. Well, I mean, okay. yeah. But if, but if I think like if you're the Toronto or the Niagara Falls guy who's never left and never ventured outside of the the capital of the world, um, it hates Toronto. <laughs> <laughs> but I've lived there and I've lived I've lived a lot of other places. But yeah, I mean, if you meet a guy from Saskatchewan, I don't think there's a lot you you can under you can. <laughs> I think it's a whole different level, man. Yeah. Farm boys. When I moved from Thunder Bay to the Prairies, I mean, I was an outcast. I was, and I was like a city boy, and I was from Thunder Bay, and I was like, I'm not a. You guys ever been to Thunder Bay? I'm not a city boy. But I can't imagine if someone from Toronto moved to Saskatchewan, Mm. you'd feel like a fish out of water, man. Um, So I don't know how much there is to connect. You know, just country music alone. They're like, what the hell is that? What are you listening to? If I go back to Ontario and cranking country tunes. Like what, or or even in Korea mm. and all these Ontario guys like what what the hell are you listening to and then they all started liking country music once Nikki and the boys came over we converted a bunch but what about South Africa I mean obviously there'll be that kind of what you've already said actually mm. like you'll connect with people on, on some a, level, on, a yeah. on a base level you can talk about stuff. I'm guessing probably things like crime will come up and just like, oh my god, Korea is so safe. Yeah, I didn't get robbed today. It's so mind-blowing. Like, that kind of thing will definitely come up. And, you know, those core things and, you know, what is cool about South Africa and what is cool about South Africa, you'll you'll connect on those levels. But then again, you know, it's people. You only connect with some people yep. and some people. Okay, I got a couple of questions. I, I didn't realize how prevalent it is or, or how prevalent you say yeah. it is. Go on. I spent a lot of time backpacking, and I, I spent quite a bit of time in West Africa, mm-hmm. all over the place. Um, I I had planned before I decided to get married. I had a full trip planned from Cairo to Cape Town yeah. on a bicycle. It sounds like I would never come out alive. <laughs> after not. after <laughs> hearing this, sorry. Like, what do you think the percentage of cha- if I'm just backpacking around South Africa? What's the chance you're going to be involved in crime? Pretty high. That's it. Oh yeah. 
if you look like you're carrying stuff that people want, people would want it. Okay, okay, that, that's, that's my next one. Living there, living there, and knowing that. Yeah. Um, and what I learned traveling is you don't advertise anything. I would, I would backpack with nothing. I would look like a homeless person. And, and part of that was that you're just kind of free and you can just be a hippie and and chill. But part of it is also I don't want to attract attention. Yeah. And as long as you have one more bling than I do, they're coming for you, not me. Yeah. Um, so when you live there, is that part of it? Like. There's no sense wearing rings or necklaces or earrings because it's just going to get me more problems. Or I don't care, do whatever I want. If they come for me, they do. I think again, like it depends on the people. I'm sure some people think like that. The an interesting. I, I mean, for you, like backpacking, I I, I mean, I'm I, not really a rings and gold kind of guy. Okay. But, and I'm not that flashy as a as a person myself. But would you buy a cheaper car instead of absolutely this car? Would you? Would you buy a shittier bicycle because okay. you know it's going to get taken? For example, for example, I when I when I bought a car in South Africa, I actually wanted a Golf VW Golf because they're cool. That'd but be gone in twenty six seconds. Africa, <laughs> in South Africa, that is the target vehicle. If you buy a Golf, you stand such a massive chance of winning stolen. And so instead, I chose to buy a Ford because fix Fords or are, repair daily. Yeah, and. <laughs> They don't want to fix them, so they don't steal. <laughs> I mean, my car was okay, but I'm not going to slander Ford at this point. But I, I, the point is I bought that car to avoid having problems, like having it stolen or, uh, okay. you know, hijacked. Hijacking is a big thing inside of so Yeah, that, that's... But they don't they don't sit on the side of the road. Oh, Golf, get that guy. Yeah, they oh, do. Ford, man, you don't need a Ford. Oh, that's exactly in, what Really? Then why would people that buy a precisely Golf? precisely what they do. In India, because <laughs> Golfs are cool. But why would people buy them if they know they're going to be targeted? Because they're popular and they're targeted because they're popular and people buy them because they're popular. He they're just, he might, you might have just, uh, you might just be thinking on a different level. Like, I mean, it penetrates. Because that's my whole thing. When I'm traveling, I don't want it. I've been robbed three or four times traveling, but I mean, I think I've avoided probably a thousand other robberies or thefts or petty thefts because. I, I think I'm very cautious of what I'm doing, my actions, what I have on me, whatever. It just everyone, it affects everyone differently. And I mean, in, in terms of car purchases, it's it's gone that far in with well, you. Right? Let me give you another example. Kay and I are thinking of buying property in South Africa, <laughs> and because like Cape Town is still a massive tourist attraction, yeah, and it's always good to have property. So we think of buying property in South Africa, but we are very much more inclined to buying an apartment. Than a house. Now, houses are great. They security in numbers. But like in in apartments in South Africa, they actually they have usually a security desk. You have to access the building. You have to shoot the guy before you get in. Much harder to much harder to get much harder to get into your apartment than yeah. it is in a house. In a house, you stand a massive chance of being like unless you have like all their security systems and armed response and all that, you stand a really good chance of having it robbed every other day. So that's the main Jesus. reason. That's the main reason we are inclined to getting an apartment. Rather than every other day is an exaggeration, or no? I mean, everybody. It's one of the strange things. Almost everyone that I know in South Africa has had crime perpetrated to them on different levels. Okay. Uh, I, I wrote down ranging that. from guns being put in their face, knives pulled on them, having their house cleaned out, um, having their car hijacked, something, something. Almost everyone you need to be like a. Super Buddhist and just not have any attachment to anything that you own. And even that, 
mean, just necessarily will protect you, but yeah. So that's, no, but that's, I mean, in, in terms, of if you're worried about losing, living in a cave, losing your stuff. I put down here. Have you ever been a victim? Yeah. And, and if it's this dangerous, why the hell would anybody want to go back? I I, I, under, I understand the obvious. Okay, that's where I'm from. But if you can live this kind of peaceful and enjoyable life without having any of that, and I you mean, say the PTSD, you're asking somebody who lives in Korea and has lived here for. Four years, yeah, yeah. but you said also <laughs> contemplating going back. I'm not contemplating going back <laughs> <laughs> for exactly that reason. Like, yeah. I, I'm not like Haley wants to go back, and Kay wants to go back so that she can, you know, practice her profession, which is architecture, which you can't really do here in Korea. But, what like, no online, what about a third party country? I mean, like, I also think, I think, <laughs> save that. But, but right. I think, like, when you look at it from outside, it might seem like a bad strategy. But when you grow up in it, it's always a part, right? It's just your life. Yeah. I'm, you're from India? Yeah, India. I mean, so, so India has its I own think, kind yeah. of issues. So too I know in, my grandfather, <laughs> like, my grandparents, they always have this mentality. Oh, don't go down that street. Yeah. It's just not well lit. But this is why yeah. I'm trying to get a grasp of how... Because people said, don't go to this country, don't go to Niger, don't go to this. Don't. And, and we almost got probably raped and killed in Niger. And, and it was only by the skin of our teeth that we got out of a couple situations, my sister and I. And we got to the border between uh, Burkina Faso and Mali. And the guy said, you have to give us your sister to go through. And I said, well, that this is not a negotiation. Either let us through or we'll turn around and go back. He said, no, you, you should leave your sister here for, to get married, and then you'll be able to... Said, <laughs> well, I got on. to. <laughs> this, isn't, this isn't a game show. We're fucking trying to get across the other country. <laughs> but African humor. <laughs> but, but, you know, these guys are there with AK-47s, and they can either choose to use them or not, or threaten us or not. But many people said, don't go here, don't go there, don't go there. But... If you go there, you're like, well, that's bullshit. They say, don't come to South Korea because Kim Jong-il's crazy. Well, come on. When, when you know, four or five years ago when stuff started heating up, still after 15 years, aunts and uncles, hey, are you sure? Why don't you come back? You got to be careful. And I'm like, no. Yeah, but and listen, it, it's, what, it's, it's what issue you want to jump on. Because, I mean, there's a lot of people saying that about pandemic. But like, mm-hmm. my, my mother, especially when I first came here, she, she would phone me. She was like, you okay? Is everything fine? You know, I'm worried about North Korea. I'm worried about Kim Jong-un. Look at the front window, man. I was like, like, you know, I feel so safe here. It's crazy. I'm way more worried about you. (laughs) Actually, there's a story. I was thinking about this before. Yes, I don't know why this came up. But my family in South Africa has been really lucky regarding crime, especially at their house. Yeah. Because <laughs> they've never actually had anything. They've never had a break-in. They've never had any kind of thing happen at their home. And huh. other than the one time my mom was, she wakes up from seeing me early in the morning. Hmm. So like, and she was looking out the window because it was quite dark, probably like 4, 35 yeah. in the morning. And she just saw these eyes looking at her from in the darkness, in our property. So she went, I remember because I was at home actually. I was living at home at that point. She went wild. She went crazy. And she like started screaming and stuff. And the guy obviously ran away. And then once... She's, she's the don't go to that house. That lady's fucking crazy. <laughs> once, once the guy disappeared and the sun came up, you know, we went outside and checked. And we found this like large kitchen knife just like lying there. So obviously he like got a sh- shock, dropped the knife. And he left this like 
long kitchen knife. But the thing that I find is funny is that my mom still uses that kitchen knife. In her <laughs> kitchen. <laughs> she still uses that same <laughs> kitchen. Oh, dude, that's you know, a food years ago. <laughs> so, yeah, so I, I, don't, I thought, I thought, and it's like from what it's you, like the lady who killed the bear and and made uh, made the dentures with the bear's teeth and then ate the bear with his own teeth. Kind of, yeah. Who's more scared in these cases? The the host, the homeowners? Like, are they protected? Are they loaded to the nines? With some places. With everything? Right? Like, why would that guy drop his knife and run instead of, like, wouldn't the homeowner think, the, the guy's going to shoot me? I better go back inside and get my guns? Or uh, I mean, some people do have guns. But South Africa is not USA, though. Like, in the USA, everybody's armed to the teeth. The bad guys are armed to the teeth. The good guys, the good guys are armed to the teeth. Mm. But in South Africa, there's actually in inequality in that regard. Like, it's much more difficult to get a gun legally oh, no, in no, South Africa. That was my question. Much more difficult to get a gun. Um, but very, very easy to get a gun illegally. Very easy. It's very simple. So the, the criminals... But wouldn't all, your mom be scared shitless? She was. That's why she went... Crazy, and I mean, maybe he was just an isolated case. You know, maybe it was. There's a lot of maybes. Maybe it was his first time out trying to go and rob right. a house. Maybe, yeah. and maybe he just got a shock. And yeah. maybe, maybe, maybe yeah. it's just a crazy person. Who knows? But yeah. like in this, the thing is, he was a single guy who ran away, and we were lucky. But they often operate these guys in packs, in teams. They will like hijack your car. Oh, inside that, a good example of this as well. I Hold was, on, they're not like that one on the internet. Where you drive by, the guy stops on the motorcycle to help you. One guy steals his motorcycle, comes back the next way, steals his phone, comes back the next way, steals. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they, I definitely wouldn't put that kind of thing past them. They, they are, they are predators. A big thing when I was living in South Africa, I was they, they like to do this thing called um, smash and grabs. Smash and grabs. They break your car window and steal something from you. Like if you've got a. a a bag like your, your wife or whatever is carrying a handbag or if you've got a PC you know, yeah. a, a laptop yeah, yeah. then they'll like smash your window of your car and then grab that and while run away. Oh. so like that's, my wife that's why it's not safe to stop at more than even hijacking which also does happen my uncle my uncle was actually murdered in a hijacking no way yeah in in one of the safest suburbs safest one of the best areas in Cape Town he stopped his car to light. These guys pulled up, jumped out. I mean, he was a bit of a questionable fellow, mm. a bit of a bigot. So who knows what he said to these? He was kind of old as well, so he probably didn't give a shit. Mm. And he probably said something to them, and they just shot him Damn. dead in front of his wife in his chair, and then took his car, and then took his car. They just shot him dead in his car right there. Oh, that is crazy! Like yeah. that—that was—that was part of the stuff this I found in in West oh. Africa. Was that I? As long as you listened to them and gave them, you know, hey, here, this is what I got. And you got something else. And no, it's, I left it there. It's at the hotel. Well, it's at the embassy. According to his wife, he didn't say anything bad to them at all. He just said, you know, take my car. And they just shot him. According to her. Please. So that's when it sucks. Wow. When they just, they don't care what you have or don't have. They're going to get you anyway. Jesus that's so, and that's kind of what you're dealing with in South Africa. Mm. It's that random ultra violence. And that's very hard to live with. Because you just never know when you're next. Yeah. I mean, when I was in South Africa, again, I was very lucky, super mm. lucky for whatever reason. But I carried, I used to carry like a large flick knife with me mm. all the time because guns. Switchblade? Yeah. Like a yeah. flick knife. Yeah. Kay used to carry like a butterfly knife with yeah. me all the time. 
And there were more than a few occasions where I thought I need to use that mic. Oh, what if you go to like uh, nightclubs or something? Is there people in there? Same thing. I'm. You know what you will notice, and and again, I never really picked up on this until I came to Korea. But like in Korea, I've never seen a proper fist fight at a like nightclub. Mm-hmm. In South Africa, that is the norm. Yeah. Like you will see a fist fight between somebody. So people go out there looking for fights. So there is that violence, I think, perpetrates into all parts of, like, life. Yeah. Um, and there it's, I mean, I've seen people horrendously beaten in South Africa. And I came to Korea, and it's just absent. It just doesn't well, happen. Because whoever, <clears throat> it doesn't matter who's the aggressor in the situation. Whoever is on the receiving end of the most punishment pays the other guy. And in South Africa, there's a good chance some or other, you know, they'll get away with it. They know they can. So what kind of what kind of you you say you lived in a house growing up? What kind of security system or measures did you have in place? That's what I'm saying. My family extremely lucky. But I mean, is there like, is there a ten foot fence around the compound or again? My family crazy lucky because nothing's ever happened and they don't have any of that. And my mother always said, you know, if you build it, they will come. Like, if you build a huge, big fence, then people will think you're trying to keep something... That's what I said earlier. Don't advertise anything. But most people in South Africa do have exactly that. They have a huge fence with, you know, razor wire or, like, actually more usually, like, electric fences on the outside. They have armed response. It's more like a game. They have cameras on all the corners. I want just the no-brand home. Everything. (laughs) And and my parents have just, like, a very, very... And it's, it's a strange house in South Africa, honestly, because it stands out for being so not protected. And yet they've never had anything happen. Wow. Can you, uh, something, last time we had lunch there, something that you uh, that you told me really stuck stuck in my head. And, well, I, I had no idea, but <clears throat> growing up in Canada and just, I think generally, maybe everyone holds this, the same views that Nelson Mandela, I thought he was always, how do you say, a, a very soft-spoken, peaceful guy, but... What you told me last time, before he came out of jail, people were really worried that there was going to be some uh, some blood in the streets. Is that the... What, do I remember Let me that start off by saying that Nelson Mandela is a true saint. Yeah, well, absolutely. There is yeah, no yeah. other way to put it. That, like, it's easy to be a, a saint when you've never been put through anything. Mm. But he is a true saint. Like, mm. people of South Africa, mm. the native people of South Africa, had every reason to like have bloodshed and you know to completely just kill every white person there they had every reason to do that and many people expected that to be exactly what happened at the end of apartheid yeah and he preached nothing except for like reconciliation and peacefulness oh and, that's so and after being kept in prison for 27 years and subjected to all kinds of different tortures and who knows what he came out and just preached like it's unheard of. Absolutely incredible story. I don't even know how to how to describe it. When I think when I think about that, like again, twenty seven years, we say the same points over and over, but twenty seven years beaten and tortured, and you come out and you're just like, eh. I mean, it's cool. To be honest, there's nothing. Yeah, I don't think there's anything more you can say about Nelson yeah, Mandela yeah. that hasn't already been said. I think it's the reason why when you tell Korean children mm. in South Africa that you're from, I mean. Korean children in Korea that you're from South Africa the first thing they'll say is oh Nelson Mandela Mm. that's the level of his fame and his um, greatness a true saint I don't know what to say other than that have you read that book? Long Walk 
Freedom. Yeah, I have. It was amazing. Well, Great book. Next. You got it. You next got it there, on, next on the list there. I mean, no, it's a long read, but it's good. Um, I I just wanted to go back to the the one I asked you before about these guys going home. Yeah. And there, it seems like a lot of the South Africans here are young and, and kind of up and comers. But I think I can't stop thinking about the the Syrian refugees that land in Canada. And I think as much as Syria will always be their home, I think most of them have no desire to go back unless it's completely, you know, rebuilt, guaranteed of no wars for 10 years or something like they they assume that life in Canada they're welcome they feel like part of the community they they can they can try and fit in or, or acclimate and as much as that is their home it's too dangerous too crazy and not probably worth it to to go try and go back what do you think would that Syria is a different story to South Africa mainly because as you said Syria is actually in war it's right. a war torn situation mm-hmm. so there's like you know, there was the before and the after. That's the difference. Whereas with South Africa, it's, it's just, it's what it is. Okay. It's just as it is. I don't so, think you say like, oh, there are airstrikes, but home is home. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly, right? <laughs> but you can say like, you know, there's violence, but home is home. Because, or there's crime, but home is home. Because that's just what you're used to. That's the norm. Mm. It's the norm. So you're yeah. only going back to the norm. So when people go back to South Africa, they, go, they know what they're going back to. And I will say this as well. We've said a lot of negative things about South Africa. And place. mostly around crime. No, it's not. It is a beautiful... It is maybe even one of the most beautiful places. I mean, I've seen beautiful places. Mm. And I've rarely seen places as beautiful as South Africa. And I'm not just talking about Cape Town. The entire country is breathtaking. Mm. Um, it's not just that, though. Because South Africa has something unique about it. The people the vibe, the just that there is something incredible about South Africa. And that is enough to drag people back for sure. Mm. Definitely. Um, me personally, I'm not sure if it is. Like I would, I'll keep going back to visit, even if my family, even if it's not just for my family, I, I love South Africa. It's mm. an awesome place. Um, it's a shame what's kind of happened there what continues to happen there but it's still an amazing country with a ton of potential so there's a guy that uh, used to live here from South Africa I think his name is Wolf 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 Wolf, Wolf something. but he I remember having a conversation with him one night and he's like man you gotta come to South Africa he goes you drive two hours this way you're snowboarding you drive an hour this way you're at the you're at a nice beach you go over here you got the huge mountains he said it's just it's absolutely exactly how you describe it, it. and I, I will still recommend to, i recommend to my friends korean friends mm. i recommend all the time that they visit south africa i mm. do tell them you know probably a good idea to like go with a south african mm. you know because they'll know where to go where not to go yeah, yeah. where to kind of generally keep you safe but I, I recommend people visit South Africa all the time because it is still an amazing country. Yeah. And if you know how to, I mean, I have had crime happen to me in mm. South Africa, but I've been fairly lucky myself. Mm. I haven't had like a lot of very bad crime. Mostly I've avoided it. In Cape Town, I used to walk around on the streets. No mm. problem. Um, Johannesburg, and especially in certain areas, I'll definitely not do that. Mm. So it just depends. It, like if you know we've what you're doing, I think it's the way you carry yourself as well, perhaps. 
no, more like actually not like scared. Of course, if you yeah, look yeah. nervous or if you look like you don't know what's going on, or if you're a, if you're a foreigner carrying a big camera, you know, taking snaps of everything, then you're a, you've painted targets on you. Sure, yeah, but if you true. walk around like you know, you know, it's advertising, right? You don't. If you're confident and you like walk around in the you know where you're going and you don't you avoid certain areas, yeah. you're probably pretty safe. I love I love if I'm out traveling and there's. <laughs> <laughs> the other guys have just got no no sense of travel and they're got all their flashy shit and i'm like okay i just i feel so much better because i'm i'm pretty big guy if i'm traveling i probably got a bit of hair on my face and these guys with all their flashy shit are way bigger targets than i am and i'm just always comfortable that or confident that there's going to be people that aren't as bright that have, are you know don't think to take their stuff off before going out and uh in general i think i've also been very lucky um, as a young as a young guy growing up in in Johannesburg, yeah, did you have any uh, any role models, and did those people lead you into teaching or into education as a <laughs> as a career? As far as I know, you're a, you're like a registered proper teacher back in South Africa, I'm and a you taught registered proper teacher, <laughs> yeah, not like us fakers over here. No, very 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 much real. Yeah, um, both my parents are teachers. Oh, cool. And my dad was actually a headmaster. Principal, I don't know what yeah, yeah. It. He was a head I like headmaster. Headmaster, right? That's what he would have called himself, headmaster, and headmaster. Sorry, I slip into the Americanisms every now and again. Yeah. And saying like master, master. Um, yeah, but when I was growing up, I swore I would never be a teacher, actually, because in South Africa, teachers have a very poor deal. You know, I mean, yeah. like. I mean, teachers generally are kind of taken for granted, I think. But in yeah. South Africa, even more so. If they're very underpaid as a profession. They don't really, you know, it's not a... We, we didn't grow up... I, would say, I wouldn't say we were underprivileged, but I definitely felt like I had less than most of the other kids that I grew up mm-hmm. with. You know what I mean? Yeah. With both of my parents being teachers. Yeah. And I didn't like, you know, they, they worked like dogs. They worked really hard for very little recognition, mm. little pay. And I just thought... This is a bullshit job. They're teachers at heart. This is a bullshit job. Um, what is what is a typical salary for a teacher? I have no idea anymore because I've not been a teacher in South Africa for a while. Um, what, I've heard that's improved. 20 grand, 30 grand, 15 grand? What? Grand thousand in, in a year. I mean, I, I hear I have some friends in South Africa and they're earning about 20,000 rand a month. 20,000 rand a month is about $2,000, maybe a little bit less actually okay. a month. Um, which is not that bad, maybe. Average, I don't know, actually, I'm not sure. Like doing all this convert, but it, it depends uh, on the uh, de- depends on your what do you call on your living expenses and whatnot too. Right? And sure. right, again, I'm not really sure because mm. I've not been a teacher there for, mm. for a long time. So things maybe have improved. Mm. Also depends on the school that you're in, if you're mm. private school or public school. In public school, growing up, we we experienced pretty much listening to your teachers. There's always the bad kids here and there, but. Pretty much the teachers are, are respected. Yeah. Um, I've had friends who worked in England. Mm, I worked in England too. He said, kids are brutal. I had a, a little anecdote. Um, I had a buddy teaching chemistry in in England. He went over for a semester or something. But he said kids were lighting shit on fire and throwing it at them and in the in the science class. True <laughs> chemist. <laughs> yeah, true chemist. Yeah. Chemist at heart. But he said it, it was wild, like swearing at them. I'm an elementary school teacher, yeah. so I think I avoid most of that crazy yeah. stuff. <laughs> su- oh, like super crazy stuff. Yeah. Um, but I've seen a few things. Um, 
I did supply teaching yeah, yeah. when I was in London. So I got to see it real spread. And it's it really depended more on the school and the area that you okay. went to. I mean, And I think that would be the same almost anywhere. Probably, yeah. yeah. And But I do think Western culture mm. definitely breeds defiance. Defiant children. 100%. Um, and I saw some real, like, yo, I opening. I had a kid in my class who threw a chair across the class because he was having a temper tantrum. Yeah. Oh, wow. So, oh, elementary too. Yeah, he was elementary school. And he was a little guy. And yeah, that was the kind of, I mean, you do you, you do see some stuff. I mean, again, you see some amazing schools yeah. in London. So again, it just depends on the school and the area. South African kids are Western kids. So what about uh, role models growing up in South Africa? Is there any uh, mainstream figures, or is it more personal? Do you have any? Uh, when you when you asked me the question, the uh, the one that jumped into my mind was yeah. actually a teacher I had when I was in grade four. Cool. Weirdly enough, yeah. Um, and she was a great teacher, and I think I modeled unconsciously. I modeled my own teaching style uh, on her. Yeah. Um, obviously, my parents, yeah. my mom in particular. My yeah. mom's a she's another like. Is a low-key saint as well. Yeah, yeah. So I do model myself on her. An everyday hero. Every what, day hero. That's what, awesome. what, how do you feel or what do you think uh, in terms of teaching here mm. in South Korea where it's not public school but these after-school academies and stuff where kids, they're, they're pretty much forced to go. I mean, it's not like they say, which one do you want to go to today? And they all jump up and say English. What what is it like when you're working with kids who maybe don't necessarily want to be there? You I make good. them want to be there. When I when they when they talk about their academies and they say like, oh, teacher, I hate maths academy. I hate piano academy. I say, yeah. what about English? No, teacher, we like the English academy. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. that's what I want. Yeah. So, but at the same time, I also make sure that they learn stuff because otherwise, what's the point? Mm. But fact, that's the thing. I think a lot of people don't take their jobs seriously here. You know, they come for a year. Hang out, see where it's going to go, and then maybe get more serious, or maybe just ah, I'm going to stay two more years and just get as much cash as I can. And I think there's a, I think there's a lot of people who don't take it seriously. You coming from an education background, maybe it's a little bit different, right? I agree with you, but I also have a different perspective on that. I think that a lot of people, especially young people, they come here with the best intentions. They want to be like teachers, educators. They want to help children, and then the system intervenes and right. says whether it's at academy or at public school it says like no you have to do this 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 and you cannot do this and you cannot do this right. do it and it way. kills all their kind of like their creativity and their yeah. desire and then they just become like automatons and they just like you know go right. through the day yeah. so i think korea is partly responsible for creating that environment sure because i think i've met a lot of teachers who who've had that like they just seem so disillusioned they've had that the desire, but okay. completely stripped. Do you? Them. But but do you mean they they actually want to be teachers? Like in my experience, that nobody mean, here comes with an education degree. I mean, very few. And for their their random arts and science degrees, I don't think they come wanting to be teachers. Mm. But I do think that many people come wanting to make a difference, okay, to yeah. help and to do something positive. Right. And okay. then they they have that kind of taken yeah. away from them and then they become jaded and negative and that's yeah yeah and i think that is more the problem uh, obviously many people but although i will say this as well i think a lot of people i've met actually come here just wanting to do that like one year or two years mm -hmm. as any whatever training they've had 
and then actually decide they want to be teachers. I've actually met quite a few people like that. Yeah, it's me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah there's me, a yeah. lot of people who actually discover their joy and love for teaching yeah. in Korea. So mine was about three, three or four years, and I was like, "Ooh, this is." And this I think can go somewhere. I think part of it actually is, part of it is when you go to your especially academy because I think public schools you just don't have a choice. Mm. I was even speaking to another a Korean teacher who teaches at a public school and she was even like we don't have a choice. We just have to teach exactly what they tell us. Mm. And they have very little like wiggle room. Yeah. But in an academy you actually have more freedom to to kind of affect change. Yeah. You can actually create change. You can you can change your class. You can change even the curriculum to a degree. And I think if you persist and then you you actually you can make positive changes, mm. then you see the joy that can be teaching. I, I always found if you had evidence, if you could show, not just say, ah, oh, this is shit, I don't like it. Well, you're never going to get anywhere. But if you say, I, I think this isn't the best way, but I think this would be better. Do you think I can try this? As long as you had solutions instead of just complaints, yeah. that a lot of directors would be more open to, okay, try it and see. I mean, or let, let me propose it to the moms in this chat. Korea is a results-driven country they if as you say like if you can show that what you're doing is effective and if you also play the game like the korean game mm. where you make sure that everything looks good and everything like looks shiny and perfect yeah. no one's going to ever say a thing in fact people will love you because you just got to sneak it in for the first couple of weeks so you get some results and then i think more like the first couple of years <laughs> actually it's like the I dating think game. that's what i mean by persistence you can't just expect to come and like make change immediately yeah. you've got to like do it for a while and then people are like oh wait maybe he's onto something yeah. and then slowly you know mm. your way will become the norm but but i mean or even part of the norm i mean even introducing games you know they say oh no games no games or the mom called and said you're playing games in class yeah, and ask kids how much they want to come to English Academy now. They love it. They want to come because they're doing it and they're learning. It's fun. It's fun. You have to. I mean, I agree. Parents need evidence of work, so they must be working. But the games are where the kids learn. Sure. I don't care what anybody says. Like, yeah. so it's about balancing things out. If you come and only play games, sure, I can understand right. why the parents are irate. Yeah. But if you balance it out and there's like evidence of work, well, who's going to know and can complain there, about that? There is also this conservative flavor. Throughout the system, though, I also have experienced something similar in mm. my research. Even if you show that these things are effective and these things are not worth it at all, but that's they are I mean like, by, oh, but we have been doing That's this. what I mean by playing the game. Though. Yeah. Like, so, for example, at my academy now, we do a lot of written work, which I think helps the children. They do, where they actually are building their English, and I'm teaching them how to actually construct English and make sentences properly kind of from the ground up and then we paired a portfolio which we sent to the parents now that alone parents can't really argue with that when they get a right. thick stack of work that if you've been playing games every day as well they're never going to complain about that mm -hmm. because the evidence is right there in front of them in like physical form do you uh, do you have a quote that you uh, that you go by for for a philosophical mind i like the no i, I thought everyone has a quote i think <laughs> Teaching isn't the isn't the filling of a bucket; it's the starting of a fire, or it's the lighting of a fire. I always, I always, I, I like that one. I, like that. <laughs> I, I don't I like know, that. I don't really have a quote as much as just a philosophy, I guess. Do you want? To... <laughs> I'm not really a quote kind of guy. All right. well, yeah, could you speak to your teaching philosophy? Yeah, I mean, I wrote to. Do, actually... do you want to bring up your portfolio from? <laughs> I'm from just going to like, I'm going to yeah. like get my assignment out right now because <laughs> they pretty much. Um, 
They, yeah, my, my they, this is something that we've both extensively had to write on in uh, in our time at uh, university. <laughs> Even when you say it, though, right? Yeah. It sounds like it's a fake university. Listen, the first time you told me, I was like, what? I, I sang yeah. it in my head as like some African, like, <laughs> University of the People. It's like a, it's yeah. like a, like a, some sort of like song in my when head. When I tell I people that, they're like, they're like, are you sure that's a real university? I'm like, well, listen, hey, when you compare it to other universities, <laughs> dude, it's harder. I, I think we do 10 times really? the work. Yeah. I actually spoke to someone else who was, they're one of those kind of like, more recognized yeah. kind of institutions and they told me what they do on a bi-weekly basis i was like that's a joke like i do like 10 times more work than you yeah, yeah. and <laughs> there's no one there's no one lecturing to us by either. the end yeah. of this if you look at the amount of work we've written books absolutely we've written books yeah. there's no joke i'm posting it all on my uh it's crazy on my yeah they, uh, on they, my it's website grueling. it's grueling yeah. that's why i'm so depressed that i found out i've got three more so. <laughs> <laughs> extended goals um my philosophy yeah. in teaching is you have to, and love is a strong word, but mm. you have to love your students. Mm. That is, I think, the, that's where you have to start. You have to love your students and want to want to achieve the best for them. Mm. Want to do what is for the best of them. And sometimes it's hard because, you know, kids are kids and kids are people. So it's really hard to, like, love them. But mm. you've got to have love and compassion and you've got to care for all your children, mm. truly. Um, and if you start at that point then pretty much everything else you do, I think will be in the right yeah. direction. I'm also a big believer in like fun, lightheartedness, bringing out like what it is, you know, bringing out the kids inner, you know, spark. maybe spark. Yeah. yeah kind yeah, of yeah. what you said earlier. Yeah, so yeah. I guess your, your quote applies to me. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Um, but I agree the, the attitude you bring into class, if you, you know, working early and, my early days in, in Hogwarts, you get a whole smattering of, of different classes and attitudes and, and levels and whatnot. And some of them are more difficult, the middle school kids, mm. for example. And I find the attitude that you bring into the class really affects how, really affects the outcome of the class. I think a lot of teachers, you know, it's easy to love the good kid. Of course. Yeah. It's easy to love the good kid, but actually it's the difficult kid that needs it more. And it sounds so cheesy always what i'm saying but yeah. like that kid the one if you treat with like respect and dignity and love mm. they will be the ones that show the biggest turnaround sure. they will be the one that really like improves and is yeah. makes an amazing improvement so yeah have you ever had uh, a kid you couldn't yeah yeah and i know that funny enough all the good kids i can't even remember their names yeah. for the most part you know <laughs> those kids that you just could not reach after trying everything and showing them respect and them just treating you disrespect i remember their names their yeah. surnames probably their regret so i can yeah. go throw a molotov cocktail at the <laughs> i will find some... you on facebook sean baron blatt <laughs> that's wonderful well uh, we've learned lots of again with university of the people we've <laughs> Sounds so, sounds so <laughs> fake. But we've oh. uh, we've studied theory, anyways, extensively with mm. the with the IB system. Oh Do you have any 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 thoughts or criticisms on on that? Is that something you, I mean, going back home, if you if you went back home or if you had a chance here, is, do you think that's something you'd be interested in teaching? Uh, personally, the the people I've talked to and interacted with who are currently teachers they're like who are studying with us but yeah um who are teachers in the system they said a lot of um the, the results the, the kids are good um uh, students learn a lot they have ample
Apple experience and, and whatnot. But a lot of their work, their in-class work is good, but a lot of outside of the classroom work is getting ready for, or like preparing their school for evaluations or whatnot to right. keep to, to keep up to IB standards. Right. Um, any thoughts or, or criticisms? My, on my knowledge of, it's completely theoretical. Yeah, yeah. I have never taught in that system. Mm. I mean, I can obviously see that there are some benefits yeah. to it. Obviously, it is a liberal very liberal kind of education mm. that claims to be quite stringent. Mm. Do you think it could work in a place like South Africa in in uh, in a standard public school? Or when we study about it, it seems like it's it's cut out for you know for kids who aren't worrying about too much in their life other than studying. For me, it seemed you know, the main thing that I thought about it was it seemed very hazy. I couldn't put my finger exactly on what IB actually was. Like, as much as I even studied it, couldn't find anything concrete telling me exactly what IB... It's like more just a philosophy mm. instead of like, well, this is exactly what it is. So even now, when you ask me that question, I'm like... Uh, so isn't mm. it all just experiential learning? Like, uh, mm. kind of self, self-driven. self I think the, the idea is that they want to to motivate the kid enough for them to learn themselves, right? And the teacher is not really... Yeah, the the teacher in the in the traditional sense of I'm standing up and lecturing. I mean, that's all like self, yeah. modern Western education is yeah. moving in that direction, which is like exactly the opposite, the foil to like Eastern education. <laughs> yeah, which is exactly. But I, was, I, was, I was just saying, like at home, when you have shop and home ec and all these other courses. Yeah, I mean, those are all experiential courses that you can take, and you can kind of stream your high school if you want to go into academics or trades. Yeah, and. I mean, it's not, they're not IB schools as they're labeled IB, but, but I mean, they're kind of that, maybe the IB ones seem more exclusive or something, yeah, but, yeah. but that's, is that's it, but other than that, is it that much different than a student who can kind of choose their tracks and you have to take the basic, whatever courses, but I'm sure IB, you have courses you don't like too. They're not everything. You don't enjoy everything. You got to have some you don't like. So and at home, if you want shop and home ec and mechanic, auto mechanics and stuff, then you go and do that. One of the big criticisms of it too is, is is learning math through like active learning methods instead of just sitting down the teacher saying this is how you do it yeah this is you know you plug this number into here and kind of trying to discover for yourself is pretty, from like a totally outside perspective yeah. ib schools seem like just a place where people rich people send their kids so that they don't get questions well i was i was gonna say like when you say it exclusive kind of in terms of you know people who only want to study i don't think so like Every guy at Hyundai's kids don't just want to study. There's a whole mix of them, but they can't send them to Korean public school. Mm. They can, but they're not going to with zero Korean. Mm. So they send them to Busan or to the Hyundai school here. Yeah. But but the Busan is the IB school, and it doesn't mean their kid's going to fit in. They, there's no other options. So they send them there, and there's kids from all different ends of the spectrum on there. So I just want to know how IB like seems to have permeated everywhere. It's just I'd never heard about it until I did the internet, the University of the People, and suddenly there's like... Suddenly, I woke and up with a tattoo. Were, like, using this like IB kind of expression, and I was like, "Where did this even come from, man? How did they manage to just get their like tentacles into everything?" Yeah, that was more my question. I'm yeah. just like, <laughs> "They're doing it." Yeah. It's weird, like, but I but I think that's it. Like, it it maybe it comes from I don't know. I'm just saying what I think that these these kind of uh, privileged, exclusive people living expat lives on expat packages where where money is not an option or not a not a problem and companies are paying for it, somebody saw an opportunity to create this specialized place. And now, 
you know, people, everybody, I will say this, my one thought about IB is every time it comes up in my studies or like one of my, my, my peers mentions IB, uh, they always do it in a way where I think, you sound super pretentious. You sound yeah. like such a douche. <laughs> like that was like, I'm in an IB school and blah, 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 blah. I'm like, oh my God, like, please shut up because you just sound super douchey. And I, yeah, I still, again, like my biggest problem with IB is I can't really put my finger on what it is. Yeah. And I thought, is it just me? And I, I really did like a lot of research to try yeah. and like figure it out. And I'm still not sure what IB is. It's honestly. a lot of money. It's a lot of extra courses. It seems like a <laughs> business. Know. Seems more like a business. That's than what it's all. Right? That yeah. is what it. Yeah. That's I mean, what education it, is now. It yeah. has to be. Honestly, that's the answer to my question. How has it? <laughs> how has mm, tentacles but, managed to get everywhere? It's a business because that's what we live in. We live in the business world. It's a business. So in the end of the day, that's what I actually concluded. You're a business. One uh, one thing that school has given me is a chance to to look at lots of aspects of Korean education. I think the elementary education here second to none. I don't, I don't, I'm only comparing to back home, but it's pretty good here, man. The, the elementary curriculum in terms of, I mean, grade ones and grade twos, they finish at what, 1230, 130. Yeah. But then they have the option of, again, choosing their, choosing their path of very low. There's after school programs, which are, which are very affordable. Um, and they can choose what their, what their interest is to continue their learning after. I think those things are are incredible, and I don't remember them being around for forever. I, I can't even try and pinpoint when when they they increase the amount of those. Are you familiar with those? I'm not sure what you're talking about. No. So so like these grade one and two kids, like our kids finish at twelve thirty, one o'clock, and then at home, I just think so many parents, both the parents work. What do you do with your kids? Like after school care is a huge, huge thing at home. What do you do with your kids until six o'clock? Or five o'clock. So here, you can, and Corona's put a dent on this in a lot of ways, but in general, there's a million different classes or, or 50 classes you can take. My daughter right now is doing abacus, learning math on the abacus. Yeah. She just started 3D pen. And, and it, it's like a, a really good sampling of what you know. She's doing Korean. She did some Chinese last semester, I think. Um, she's got art. She's got clay art, uh, violin. So she can kind of, and they're like, 25 bucks for a semester or for, for how long is it? 12 weeks? Maybe. Uh, I don't know. About 25 bucks for 12 weeks. Only first and second grade? No. no every, that, there's a early elementary school. Yeah. So as you get older, you can get into coding and, and you know, like but they have drones. They got, they got all kinds of cool stuff. I think in a way, I mean, obviously I don't have kids in elementary school. So I only get the information I get from my students, at my academy, but I think Korea has a very weird educational setup mm. in that in elementary school, the kids seem like to love it. They seem to like school. Mm. They seem to be full of joy and like, you know, they're really getting a lot out of the educational experience, but it's it like the learning curve. I think in Korean education is insane. They go from like that to middle, to middle school, school to having all the joy like squeezed out of their lives. Yeah. And I think, that's a jarring change for children. I think it's part of the reason like middle school and high school students have such trauma in this country is because there's not a good flow from like elementary school to high school. I mean, they they need to probably make, they need to make it more consistent. 
You can actually just see it in the kids' eyes. Like I've seen kids in in grade six, they're one thing, and then they go to like it grade has, seven, yeah. and it's they're just a different child. It has changed. Yeah. Though. I think there's no. That's not just hormones. There's no. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say puberty is a, is no. A, that's not just hormones. No, no, I'm not saying. I'm saying. It, it really makes it even more difficult. It does. When they're going through those stages and now you go from hanging out playing soccer every day at lunch to exactly. don't look outside of your book. Right. And and, and every day academy is till 10 o'clock. Exactly. It's, listen, it's, it's, uh, it's changing. I think, it, yes, absolutely. It, it needs to change. There's it no... It needs to change. They used to have exams in grade... But they used to have exams from grade one. Now the exams start in middle school. I don't, I don't think the parents' mentality has changed. No. The, parents the system's changed a little bit, but they just keep putting them in more Hold academies, on, no, more no. academic academies. I think the parent, I think parents I know when they don't want to do it, but they're scared of... Same thing. Scared what of society, what public parents, parents do what they know, and what they know is yeah. the old system, so yeah. they're just going to keep... Well, that can't be, that can't be, the th- because they never used to have hot ones before, so... But what they one set of parents, one set of parents invent... 50 years ago, there wasn't hot ones. So one set of parents started a new system where let's get into the hog ones. Somebody somebody changed the direction introducing these private academies. I don't even have a problem with hog ones as such. I just have a problem with hog ones being very often useless. Like they're just there for show. Like I've been in many or I've at least witnessed many academies where I'm just like, this is not real. Like if you're an English academy, teach the kids English. Don't just Put it here to like look like you're teaching, you know, give the impression of teaching English because you can actually teach the kids English. It can be a. But I think here too, parents expect their kids just to. I I think there's a very negative view of people who are just not learning. Like if you're not learning something or not engaged in something, I think that's viewed as like as like wasted time. Not not that you need a balance in life, but parents believe their kids are just should be, you know, it should be like input. You know, they're kind of front-loading all of their all of their learning in the first yeah, 12 years of their life. And it's a cultural expectation, too. Like, that's Absolutely. why everyone from the richest parents to the ones who are, like, the least well-off mm. will have their child enrolled in, like, three, four different academies. Yeah. But this is this is what we... Doesn't matter. What we talked about earlier and how... I don't know. Maybe doing that sours the kids' view of, of learning in general. And it does. It completely does. In it, it does. And, yeah. I mean, in a good point of the IB... I'd be shilling over here. But they, you really but are. They, <laughs> Is this sponsored? Because you really should say that up front, you know? That's only... Welcome. I'm no. oh, sorry. They yeah. saw the tattoo. <laughs> oh, no. I, I was going to show my IB tattoo. Yeah. The, um, but just fostering the mindset that, that you should be learning through your whole life. Right. School shouldn't be something that you hate. It should no. be discovering things that, you, yes. that you'd like I mean, to do. Learning should be yeah. a joyous experience. And... If you can, and it is, and it took me thirty-four years to figure it out, but it's 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 nice, man. <laughs> to, to Talking about the transitions, my daughter came out of an English kindergarten mm. where she had she had loads of homework. Right. My thinking as a parent was that if they can do the heavy lifting, I can be more actively involved as a father and doing sports and and activity and stuff. But if she doesn't get her literacy from the kindergarten, I'm gonna have to do all that at home right. because she's got to get it somehow. And, and she's multicultural. So it, it's not a guarantee that she's going to stay in Korea forever. So I, I would feel responsible for her literacy in English. So when they do that at school, I mean, she had a lot of, a lot of homework mm. and she got to elementary school now and she absolutely loves it. And if you ask her the best part, just 
there's no homework. And I was like, man, her kindergarten was so much harder than public school. But we put the hard work in for a year and a half or two years in kindy. She reads and writes really well now. And now we can just kind of keep growing that slowly. How old is your daughter? Seven. Seven. Yeah, seven. She's just So her birthday's in February. So she's a grade one? Grade yeah. one? Isn't she? Maybe she's six. 2014. I was about to say you're a good father. No, but no, she's, she's seven. Tony. He's, oh, he's seven too. Yeah. He'll be eight in December. Just that transition of that mm. it went for her for and, and I think a lot of more like now these hardcore kindergartens are getting more and more popular and I think man you go from crazy kindergarten to super lax public school, like elementary sorry, and then and then just straight back into the gong show of middle school. No, but the or sorry, the easiness of elementary is offset by the by the hog ones that they're that they're going to after. Not right. the not the nice after school three D pen program, but, but the but it hundred <sighs> Hundred word but vocabulary. You know, lots of these guys are going to Lego and Paduk and chess, and I'm like, that's what you do with your dad and your brother and your mom and your grandma. Uh, the thing is, they don't do that with their dad. No, they don't. They don't do anything. Their dads are probably. That's actually when you said that, I was like, I mean, you can be more involved, like you know, sports and whatever. Most of their parents, especially their fathers, I think, are absentee fathers. There's a lot of good ones now. They're, they're they're, really? I, I know a lot of good fathers now. Yeah. No, I don't mean the majority by. I mean, I, I mean, if it went from one percent, now it's at seven percent. But it's it's increased a lot since. I since see dads I've out been, in the in the. There's lots of you. There's lots of good guys out there. Good. Um, yeah, they should. I was going to ask you, like for us, sports is such an important part of learning growing up, and I don't know any kids that didn't play sports. It didn't matter if you were good or bad, but everybody played sports, and like when when I teach some adult classes and stuff, and they ask me about hockey, and I say, but it's not about just. I played hockey and, and, you know, I want my daughters to play or whatever. I, I don't care if they play. I just want them to have fun. But it's unique. And and in Korea, hockey is seen as this uh, rich sport where it costs so much money. But you we, about ice hockey, yeah. But we've changed that. Like, our team is volunteer coaches. And it's it's like a third of the price of a, or a quarter of the price of a regular Korean team, which is just business and money, money, money. And I when I tell them what, what I like about sports or, or hockey that my kids can learn, because... I can't, I don't start a, a soccer academy. I'm not passionate about it. But to pay 300 bucks a month for my kid to go learn how to dribble a soccer ball? Come on. You can do that at the park for free. I mean, unless so, really good. I mean, plays for Tottenham That's the dream they sell you. So, I mean, dedication, resiliency, hard work, teamwork, cooperation. Yeah, obviously. I'll work at all these things. And it's different. When you're on the ice and you fall down, you can't say, oh, ma, oh, ma, because mommy's not coming on the ice. You got to get up and do it again, and get up and do it again and again. And I think it creates so many good lessons for kids playing sports. And in Korea, everything is so structured. Everything's so structured. And I think on the hockey rink, it's so free. They can be as good or or, or try as hard as they want. Um, but they learn so many good life, valuable life lessons that they can use later on in life. Um, I mean, I think. As a teacher, speaking specifically as a teacher, yeah. some of the best teaching I think I've done is on the sports field, because I was a I was a coach in most of my schools, uh -huh. and you have a way of reaching kids uh, in an extracurricular, especially in a sporting yeah. way that when you, you step can't out of reach classroom, them in yeah. a classroom. Yeah, I lo I love coaching. I thought it was amazing. In South Africa, South Africa mm -hmm. is a, I mean, I would consider South Africa as a sporting country. Yeah. Like we. 
kids are, in fact, many schools I've been in, actually, they force children to take part in sports or at very least extracurricular activities. Mm. You have to. You don't have a choice. Oh, and it's essential. Most kids will choose to like play cricket or rugby or soccer or whatever, like hockey, you know, field hockey, yeah. not ice hockey. Yeah. But like they'll, they have to take part in a sport. And I mean, I think the stuff that you learn in those kind of environments is unparalleled. You can't compare it to and another example of taking them out of the classroom. I would say 80% of my kids at hockey will come up and say, Hey coach, how you doing? Mm -hmm. Or coach, I don't understand. Or they don't even think that this is an English test yeah. or this is an English. Natural. It's you're a foreigner. It's born of necessity. You're, you're a foreigner. And I, I don't know what to do. So I'm going to say, coach, I don't know. But in class, it might take them like five minutes to get that out, or they just don't say anything and they just sit there. But yeah, because they know how many judged on that. How many kids skill. speak English in a free setting, and you know, after they come and say, "Thank you very much, coach," and I was like, "Kids don't say that in class or after." Like, to be honest, that's that is my in Korea. That is one of my standards of achievement. If I've if I've done well with a kid, if I see a kid out on the street yeah. and the kid comes up to right. me and has exactly. a conversation, I'm like, right. I yeah. have. I have done what I want to do. Without case, mom saying, hey, there he is. There he is. That's your chance. Go show me your $200 a month English. <laughs> Nate used to teach in this neighbor or near my other place there. And when we uh, we used to walk down the street, Mandagosam, that's my teacher. And the kids would point him out in the street, man. He was, he was a celebrity. I, I, I fully <laughs> agree. When you're at the Home Plus and like even my Ajima classes, when you see me at the other end of the aisle and you put your head down and speed up and bolt to the, you know, other. I mean, some kids will do that just. I mean, I mean Ajimas, but I'm like, guys, you talk to me. Ajimas will do that. Too. You talk to me here in class. You guys are all cool and relaxed, and it's not public school anymore. Mm -hmm. so this is what I want your kids to be like. Yeah. You guys are chilled. You're signing up. It's voluntary. You signed up for this class, and I have usually 15 to 20 women. You come here and you relax and you enjoy. He's pointing the finger at you. <laughs> and then, <laughs> 20 of them. And and then you come you come here to I the supermarket. Too. You come to the supermarket and all of a sudden you can't speak English. Yeah. No, I agree. Actually, yeah. one of my most rewarding experiences, I think, in Korea, I think it might have been actually at a WeHope thing. Yeah. It was, it was at Tewa Park. And there was we were books selling yeah, books. Yeah, yeah. And I was just like minding the store. And I was just chilling. I think I might have been having a beer, actually. Yeah. To be honest, just, ha just hanging out, having a beer. And two of my middle school students at my previous academy just wandered up to me. Hey, teacher. I'm like, hey, guys. And we stood and we chatted for like 20 minutes. They That's told awesome. me. He's like, yeah, he's got a girlfriend now. He's like, you know, he, he doesn't know us anymore. He keeps disappearing. We like <laughs> chatted. And I, I really think that was honestly my like most rewarding experience. Of That's awesome. career. I was like, yeah, this is, this is great. I always I always tell my, my uni students, if you see me at the park, or in at the festivals or wherever you see, if you see me and come say hello, I'll buy you an ice cream, I'll buy you a beer, whatever's around, I'll get you something. Just I just don't want it's not a test. It's not a test. I'm not judging you. Just just come and say hello and I'm not judging you if you don't come and say hello. To me. Yeah. <laughs> but that's what I like. I don't like when they're there, they just bolt the other way. <laughs> like, hey, you know we saw each other. Yeah. And you know I'm gonna see you on I, Tuesday. I, I do cool kids out on that. <laughs> you saw me you don't come say hello okay okay I, I remember that in your next yeah, speaking yeah. test Jimmy yeah. um Jimmy. I, I think <laughs> I think that's a good uh, good time to transition into into community involvement yeah um you I mean I arrived here you know I hit the ground running knowing Jeff being introduced to to uh, established people here in the in the city 
when I when I first came, <clears throat> coming here as a as a married man, um, how do you connect to communities in Korea? How do you go out and actively find friends? Is it just kind of hanging out at the bar, meeting new people? Well, I mean, you say as a married man, like I think with my. Well, I mean, I, I, why why I say that? Because I came as a as a single. I think if I had come with a with a wife, it might be different. I couldn't. No, maybe what I was actually going to say is that the reason, one of the reasons, especially I'm, I've been somewhat involved with, um, we got yeah. is because of Kay. Okay, is because of Kay because she is involved. Um, when she first came, she had little to do, and she decided she was going to just try and involve herself in the community. Awesome. And she got involved with We Hope, and that's why it's kind of I got, you know, dragged, dragged along. along. Yeah. Kind of willingly, yes. Yeah. You know, but I, on my own steam, I maybe would never have done that. So I don't think yeah. probably. She's the catalyst for you. She's definitely the catalyst, and she's very much a doer. Follow her along. Sit a sit her at home and play a game or. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> hey, listen though, that's, that's my style. Um, to be honest, um, but so uh, she got me kind of more involved in that kind of stuff. Absolutely. Um, which also I got involved in. Kind of LGBT kind of community and yeah. uh, those areas too. Mm. Um, as far as meeting people goes, Far. I mean, it's, I think so, yeah. Like you meet a lot of people out, just out in the town. Yeah. Um, obviously, most people you meet like that, and then you meet through connections. Yeah. Um, but naturally, I guess. I think Ulsan obviously has got a smaller foreign community than some other cities. Yeah. We, we met probably through Wheel, right? I think I met you, Kay, and Tony. I'm pretty sure Kay connected with you. And then I met you. And then you met me too. I met, I met someone for a coffee one time. But anyways, then uh, when we used to run the okay. the foreign, uh, it was on foreign market there. Oh, yeah. Well, Kay, Kay, Kay was like the... Absolutely. The, she, the go-to. Yeah. Her, she took over from the girl who was previously running the show. No, but you guys have done, uh, did a great job doing that, man. You were, you were Mr. Hummus there for a while. Yeah, and the... the <laughs> Pandemic surely put an end to that. Yeah, that's actually sad because it was pretty cool. What's I I really hope that uh, that's something that gets up and up and running again. Again, talking about meeting people and connecting with your community, there's nothing better because that brings in people, engineers from Donggu, that brings in all mm. teachers who are missing the. Missing and now, the now that general trend in Korea has really become <clears throat> much more common, um, the the market, the handmade stuff. I mean, when we when that was like. Five six years ago, God, it was like people were all dodgy and sketchy, and now it's now it's everywhere. Like it's wild, and you get before the pandemic. I mean, there was markets and community markets and neighborhood markets everywhere, street markets. It was really starting to pick up and and become something. Yeah, I know the pandemic has definitely put a kibosh in a lot of things, and I just wonder. I'm really curious to <clears throat> see in the future how we'll, as a world, will. Emerge from this. There was just an interesting article. I didn't. I just read the first couple lines, but it was saying how, <laughs> how. Uh, Tell us all about it. <laughs> no, but <laughs> how the, the great the, <clears throat> the great depression changed the world in this way. People mm. became more optimistic. The the what's the flu? The Spanish flu Spanish, yeah. changed the world in this way. People became more uh, outgoing or or more adventurous, and it, it just went through a few major world events and how the world mentality in general changed coming out of them um as as savers or investors and more wild and adventurous i think we live in such a weird time in that we are like you can see it just when you walk around now because of the pandemic and because of literal restrictions you have on you um we live in maybe one of the most divided times in history 
Like people are isolated. People are, you know, you don't see people's faces anymore even. We are stuck in ourselves yeah. very much. And yet we have the internet which connects us all. It's a very strange thing. <laughs> I, very strange. So we're like disconnected and connected. So funny you say that. I went to an art exhibit yesterday. My wife said, let's go check it out. I thought it was going to be paintings and whatever. Mm. But we walked in and it was like this. At first glance, you look, you're like, what is this bullshit I'm looking at? Some. I mean, isn't that usually an often. Oh, you know what? Listen, I look <laughs> I mean, at. I do. I mean, I appreciate art, but even so, when I walk in, I'm just kind of like. There was oh, like, there was like boxes with like, mm-hmm. with like, uh, like tubes coming out of them and like just mm-hmm. a bunch of random shit. And I was yeah. like, what, do, what am I doing here? Mm-hmm. And then I looked and I'm like, oh, Jesus, you okay? Is the computer right? Yes. <laughs> Fuck, is your knee okay? <laughs> that was the chair. Oh, okay. Um, but hold on, then, then there's a, there's a piece of, uh, of English literature there, picked it up and started reading. I was like, ah, there's meaning to this. And it actually, the, listen, the, uh, the whole idea behind it was people from, two people from Singapore and two people from Korea connected using only online translations right. and they explored each other's cities. They, they called it like cyborg and they, they used each other to explore each other's cities in a time of pandemic. Right. And it was after understanding what the whole thing was about, it was actually really, really cool. But Interesting. Yeah, definitely check it out. Um, anyways, before and yeah. you mentioned that you had experienced the Pride, uh, Pride parades in Korea. Mm-hmm. Um, can you speak a little bit to that and what uh, and uh, and your experiences there? Um, okay. Well, the first, there's actually only ever been one Pride in Ulsan that was kind of out on the street Pride, as you think of Pride usually in cities um was there a parade here there was a walk yeah really there was in the street and so we gathered huh. we gathered outside the maybe the latte department store in samsung and sorry to cut, who's who's organizing this it was the korean lgbt community okay. cool. they organized it it's the and we people invited us they were mm-hmm. like you know we, you should come to this event so we went, and we went with kind of like having been to Cape Town Pride. Mm. You with went, that in mind, you went which is no, crazy. I mean, no Cape Town close. Pride is probably like one of the biggest pride in the world. Yeah. Actually, it's it's. I mean, it spills onto the streets. It's everywhere. Yeah. It's crazy, and it's just it's just accepted, mm. very much accepted in Cape Town. Well, Toronto has a pretty big one too. I'm sure, I think all over in, yeah. all over Canada. But so we went there probably with that preconception, knowing it wouldn't be quite the same, but it was very different. Maybe there were a hundred people who were actually at the LGBT rally, mm. and ten thousand against. What, them. What's the makeup <laughs> of Koreans and foreigners? Um, there were more Koreans actually. There were more Koreans. There were there was a foreign representation, but not a heap. But there were a lot of Koreans actually mm. there. But as, I'm sure, as I, Brian already said, like anti LGBT community came out in thousands. <laughs> thousands and wow. thousands and thousands. You know what I'm Yeah. Lining the streets. Oh. It was insane. It was, so there were maybe like a hundred LGBT people and just thousands of like anti-supporters. I don't, I, I don't get that. Um, and yeah, You don't have to. And not, but the thing is, not quiet, not quiet anti-supporters either, like rage-filled, angry Verging on violence, they had to bring the police. The police were notified, obviously, before. The the Ulsan police were amazing. Yeah, they yeah. were amazing. They literally, they like made a 
a human chain mm. that separated the uh, anti-protesters from the LGBT like community or crowd or whatever you want to call it. Um, <laughs> it was kind of scary. I won't lie to you yeah. because they were very loud, very angry, very clear about their hatred. But you know, there's no guns, no knives. There no... was no knives. I do remember when we we did a we did like a march around the block, not a long march, we just like we did a walk. <laughs> Someone threw a mandu at you. No, nobody threw anything. But people were like lying in the road in front of the bus because there was a truck. They would lie. They were lying in the road to so try and stop yeah. the procession yeah. in front of the bus. They had to be dragged away by the police because it was an it was an organized legal march. Because yeah. they um, hate. Because they hate LGBTQ that much. They hate other people and what they choose to do with their private lives. There, so there are very, there are very few things I'd lay down in the street and stop, uh, try and stop a, a truck driving by for. But yeah, but isn't this isn't, <laughs> isn't can't you just see like one church saying, "Come on, you're not you're not a real believer if you don't go out and protest yeah, against could, this." Yeah, and, absolutely. I mean, there's enough. The guys lighting themselves on fire at the end. They, come on, they, this stuff has happened. And if you watched any of the coverage of the. LGBT march in Seoul, that was also bananas. I mean, that one in Incheon, I think it was, was disgusting. They were, like, the, the anti-supporters came out and, like, right. crowded around people, had them trapped there without, like, food and water for hours on end. You what? didn't hear about no, that? No, that's enough. The police just turned a blind eye. The police were, were taken to massive tasks for that. I think, actually, the police commissioner lost his job over that. In, in but there was also in Seoul in front of City Hall there, yeah, right yeah. downtown. I mean, there was also a lot of, of, of craziness surrounding the the LGBT Pride Week and the Pride Parade and everything. But I, I think you said more Koreans than foreigners. I would I would probably expect that, one, because we're in Korea, and two, what foreigner is going to go out and say, hey, yes. It's actually illegal as well. Really, right. Afterwards. To, to protest, really yeah. should be, you shouldn't really be protesting. Right. We could have probably been deported for yeah. that, actually. So. Yeah. It, if, if ah, inclined, you're pro- ah, I got you. You're not really supposed to take part in marches and stuff. So I mean, that would be all over the global news if you're, you're not deported to be for that. Politically, but, right. Politically involved at all. Yeah. So prides uh, after that moved. We actually moved it inside and did it privately. We did it at um, Sima Bar. Mm. Wild. I mean, right. with there are thousands of people, or hundreds at least, turned out. Yeah. I think we we brought in. Uh, didn't we? Take hey, us to make it. Donation to bring in, oh, yeah. bring in the yeah. so. We brought in the who do we ship? Diva in? or Queen or yeah, the the party Queen or something. I saw yeah, the picture. Yeah, yeah, They're pretty yeah. dancing Queen. Yeah. But Simo is good. Just for going that, back yeah. to that that march, mm. the one thing that actually stands out to me the most is when we were walking. We were just like walking and like singing and dancing to music and just having a good time. And this one woman, like she pushed kind of through the police, like not past them, but yeah. like you know, and she. That like, she looked at me and did the like neck slipping. <laughs> That's insane. Gesture yeah. to me, and I was I because I was all you know peace and love. So I probably I think I blew a kiss to her. But that for me, that very much described that event for me. But wow. kind of scary, kind of scary. I went. Like, How could you be so passionate about something yeah. that someone else likes? How could you hate something? I, I'm trying to make parallels in my head, but like, come on, the, there, there's places at home, the, the churches at home and stuff, the anti-abortion stuff. It, it's it's yeah. everywhere. The the radical. I gotta get out more. You can have your own anti-rally, but don't prevent the people rallying. Which that's is what they exactly what we're trying yeah. to do. But yeah. I don't know. Hey, come on, man! When Koreans get fired up about something, there there's no stopping. I mean, they're 
Look at look at the getting Pacquiao out. I mean, hey, when they decide they're going to do it and they put a mil, million people in the square every freaking weekend for how many months? Yeah. I mean, if they put their mind to it, that's it. You're not changing them. I think the flavor here is more like in Western cultures, it's it's more taken as attack on your freedom, right? But in Korea, it's perceived as attack on like you're culture. trying to change our culture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Although there's you know, a lot of I really think that in Korea, it's like it is in many countries. The the haters are just the loudest people. It's not that yeah. they're necessarily the majority. They're just super super loud. Yeah. And I definitely I definitely think within the next generation or two, things will, in Korea will change a lot. Of course. And definitely. That, look at, look at the last. Of, look at the last. Yeah, absolutely. Without a shadow of a doubt, in a, in, a, in twenty years, you'll see a very different Korea to what you see. And now. you gotta you gotta think too. Your hundred people strong march, you know that that wasn't done in vain. That's uh. Not that's, all that, of those. That's a good things are, are, is a That's a good story. step, man. It, they're only they're only one or two more K-pop stars away from blowing the top off. Honestly, like, I think in twenty years you're gonna find that like K-pop was actually seen as a force of cultural change. Like a good example, I'm not I'm not army. Let me just say that <laughs> to start. But I okay. actually respect BTS. BTS poster. I there. respect BTS in that they speak out about these issues. They talk about this kind of stuff. And they talk to mm. the right generation. They're not talking mm. to the older folks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're talking to the young people. And I think they're changing minds, changing attitudes. Yeah. A friend of mine, uh, Fluffy, she fa- shared with me the other day. Mm. Uh, nice girl. Yeah, she came down to the... She, was, she volunteered with us too. Fluffy's amazing. Yeah. Fluffy's a nice girl. Fluffy's amazing. Um, she shared another K-pop group. I think they're called Mamamoo. Yeah. A girl group. Yeah. And they brought a um, a group of dancers who are gender fluid ah. onto onto a national show. Mm. And whether they did this like kind of with the consent of the show or just kind of you know without yeah. their permission, but the thing is they gave them exposure, mm. and that exposure is what changes perceptions. Yeah. So yeah, I and think, it starts I think off K-pop, as a and it's starting as like a little thing, a little okay. flame, but it grows and grows until it's just like undeniable. It's and kind of inevitable now because K-pop has so much commercial dependence on the Western culture, mm. or on the West, and to serve the West, to serve that population who is LGBTQ friendly, they have to cater to those. So on there are a lot level, of yeah, profits, or maybe it's not. The, I mean, okay, yeah. I agree. They're so, probably business related. Yeah. So probably within five years they will. Maybe even also, if the society maybe it's also personal it. because I mean, when for example, BTS have spoken about those kind of things, there is a level of passion that's more than just we're doing this for business right. causes. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But I think when they're talking about anxiety, depression, suicide, I mean, I think that that permeates all of Korean youth. I mean, yeah, everybody knows somebody who. You know, during the sunung or after the sunung, or is is depressed or, or anxiety or what? They it's, all they all are. It's important to. I mean, that's what pride is about, and it's about exposure and changing people's perceptions. Yeah. And, and also, I think. I mean, we we would joke about it before, but if there's any industry where LGBT would be common in Korea, it would be the K-pop industry. I mean, I think to be honest, that's one thing I've actually. Koreans like to think that people, there are no gay people. I've actually heard Koreans <laughs> say that to me. And they it's not that there, there are no gay people or whatever, you know, bisexual people in Korea. It's just that they do not feel safe to be out and safe to be exposed. 
but Korea has the same amount of like LGBT folks as every other country. Right. They do. And so that's what you, when you show them, look, the stats are whatever percent of every population has a percentage of the population is LGBT. And, and oh, but, 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 no, no, in Canada, there never used to be either until yeah. it became acceptable and, and, and not, people weren't free. scared of being, you know, chastised and stuff for being LGBT. Now you see it. Yeah. And still, you don't see all of it, I'm sure. But it's much, much more acceptable now. I mean, I've, I don't want to. I don't want to name people that I know, but I know people in Korea, gay men, and many of their partner. I wouldn't say partners, like sexual partners, are married Korean yeah. men with families. No, totally. But hold on, this is a problem in America also. Married, yeah. fa- married okay. men. Okay. Who, they married, but obviously they married because of cultural expectation. Right. They have the children. They've got the whole setup. But they're actually completely no gay or bisexual so or whatever. Oh, yeah, I know. I, yeah, I can understand. And I was like Freddie Mercury, too. I mean, just to, to make a reference to pop sure. culture, he was married and then came out. Yeah. Yeah. So, do, do you guys follow that story in America five, six years ago, maybe? Which ones? Um, in, in, one of the, in one of these areas, HIV was skyrocketing. Mm. And they were like, how is this possible? It, it's not related to this. They could, they could eliminate certain things. And they found out that... It's this exact situation of married men are actually gay and they got married because the stigma in their community. in their community is so bad they had to get married and have kids and have their huh. gay lovers on the side. And this was the huge cause of HIV. And they couldn't they couldn't figure it out because they just didn't expect wow. all these guys with families to also have gay lovers on the side. But it was I mean, the same it's across the, same the world. Thing. I don't think it's yeah. unique to Korea by any means, yeah. but Anyway. Wild, wild, wild. Yeah. Um, I will always ask the question, give my two cents as well. Okay. Being oh. in an open relationship, I oh I don't know. It's just uh, it would it would drive me crazy to to think my wife's on a date with someone else. And I think I, I've thought about this, and I've heard people speak about being in open relationships. How how do you say? It? Is that? I think the biggest thing for most people would just be jealousy, straight up jealousy. It's, but if you really here's here's my thing if you really love the person and and you want them to be happy and they found happiness with someone else why should you keep them back and if it comes down to to sex do we just do we value sex too much you know what i mean like growing up we think like oh sex is like this big taboo thing and is it you know and i don't know that's a lot of Fucking things and okay. scrambled up. Firstly, <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't, I don't particularly love the expression "open relationships" mm. because I think it's it's more just about different relationships. Okay. Um, Non-conventional. And and also, I think the stigma attached to like open relationships is, as you, you say, sexual. You're just swinging swing clubs. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's what people always think that you like are just. You know, like kind of perverted and dirty, and there's that. And I don't actually think that is what it is at all. Not for me, at least. I'm sure it is like that for some people, yeah, sure, yeah. but not for me personally. This is a lot to unpack, honestly. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, we talked for a long yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could honestly, I've thought about it, like having a podcast or something a lot on this actual topic. Let's do it. Let's I think it there is so much to say about this. Mm. Um, let's cut it here. I think let's cut it here. We'll do it. We'll do it another time. Okay. No. It's a deal. Beautiful. Like, I'm, I'm totally down with that. But, yeah. 
just to, in, in, to, to just touch on the yeah. subject, I think one of the things that we just accept about life is that relationship, relationships have to be a certain way. They have to be a certain way. They have to be like one person and one person, and then you meet the person and you fall in love, and then you live forever, happy, 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 you die. Mm. And I think that that is completely unrealistic for to put on everyone. Yeah, yeah. Like, sure, I'm sure some people have that situation, but just be, we, we just happily accept that situation as the norm. Mm. And I don't think that is correct. Like, why do you think we have things like people cheating? Why do you think we have people, you know, we, we, we are human. We make connections. It's not just about sex, but it's about like connecting with other people. And sometimes we connect to different levels, yep. whether you're married or not, mm. whether you're in a relationship or not, you may connect with somebody else. And often the, the one, one or two of the, one or other of the responses is either cheat, mm. you know what I mean? Or go behind your partner's back. Or on the other hand, to deny yourself mm. and or deny what feels natural to you and just stick with, you know, mm. what you've been with the norm. Yeah. And I don't think there's there's a need to do either. Mm. I think why should you be restricted? I'm I know myself. I'm not. A, I I hate the idea of cheating, but I also know myself. I do tend to like make connections with other people. So, I mean, the way I prefer to think about and it sounds or does sound very douchey when I say it, but it's consensual non-monogamy or, or yeah polyamory. Yeah, okay, okay, yeah. Um, and that is not necessarily like sexual thing but just the acceptance that life is long and that in that life you can meet other people who like you connect with it's really difficult very difficult because most people won't understand and as you say like the, the knee-jerk response is just kind of like jealousy but isn't isn't this don't you think this is one of those things that's going to evolve and change over time just like you know the office nine to five office job now remote working is going to is going to be really okay. No, let's stop. We're going to get we're going to get too much into it. We'll save it for next time. <laughs> save it for next time. All right, let's see, guys. Thanks for listening. That was uh, that was great. Please, please, please don't forget to check out our sponsor, Doctor English. It's your one-stop shop for all of your English conversational needs. Enjoy learning from the comfort of your own home. Call zero one zero four five nine one one four nine six for a free sample class. Take your English to the next level by visiting their website now at www.dr-english.com.